And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, folks, I've been doing this for a while. This is the fourth year probably 600th episode that I've recorded to start a puzzle. Thank you for following. Now with that, I have a lot of conversations about startups, both with guests outside of the show and without a doubt, the most popular thing that people want to talk to me about is getting funded. And it's exactly what we're going to get into today. I've got an expert with me today. We're going to talk how about how to get VC funding. Now, before we get into that, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Gusto. Gusto has modern solutions for modern HR problems, whether it's talent management, payroll, or onboarding. Gusto HR platform has it all for you. Be smarter than your competitors. You can try a three-month subscription now. All you do is sign up at gusto.com forward slash Startup Hustle. Once again, gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. There's a link in the show notes for that. You don't even have to remember what to type. Just scroll down. Just go ahead and do that now. Click it and sign up. See what happens. With me today, I've got Nathan Beckert. And Nathan is the founder and CEO of Founder Suite. They do a lot of amazing stuff with startups and founders and really helping startups raise venture capital. You can go to foundersuite.com. But more importantly, by the way, there's a link in the show notes for that too. Straight out of the Bay, San Francisco, California. Nathan, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Excited to be here. I, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this because this is such a hot topic and I know you have so much expertise. But before we flex that expertise, let's start with a little bit about your backstory, just like you and also uh, why you started Founder Suite and what and what and as we say in Kansas, what do y'all what y'all do there? What y'all do there? <laughs> that sort of sounds almost more Texan than Kansas, but um, you no. Know, and I saw on your LinkedIn you you have spent some time in Texas, so you know that once you've been around that, you're always fighting the y'alls. Sure, yeah. I, I mean, actually like fighting saying I'm, it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of a one trick pony. You know, I I have gone very deep on one topic throughout my whole career, and that's raising capital for startups. Um. And my, my journey is pretty linear, really. I went to school out here in California, got out of school, went to work in investment banking for a little bit of time, not too long, but spent some time during the, the go-go years, dot-com days, helping companies raise capital. And that was fun. Did a little time in New York in JP Morgan's private placement group, which was um, helping companies raise later stage rounds of capital. And then I kind of took that playbook and brought it back to Silicon Valley and spent about a decade um, under a consulting firm I started called Venture Archetypes, helping companies raise capital. And so it's really been a pretty linear journey. After doing that for about 10 years, decided to have this idea um, or decided to launch this company to help companies raise capital. 
and that's where Founder Suite came from. So we're really just building tools and um, processes for for raising capital, kind of taking like the best practices I've learned from, you know, almost two decades of doing it for companies and turn it into software products. So, well, first off, thank you for doing that. Cause honestly, this is a process that as I talk to more people about it and more and more and more, I realize first off how bad so many people are at the whole process, largely because they don't understand it. There isn't necessarily yeah. a guide outside of the tools that you've got that really kind of walks you through. Um, now with, you know, with that, let's talk for a second about those tools. Cause I think it's important for people to know that this stuff exists. Like what are some of the just basic tools that you have in the founder suite that are useful? Yeah. Um, well, we start with, we started five years ago, I guess, with an investor CRM. And so when I was consulting the startups, I would, they would hire me. I would help them with their pitch deck, with their financial model. I would put in 50 hours of research and build a target investor list. Then I would load all those investors into a, a fancy spreadsheet or Google Doc and kind of give that to the client, right? And so our first product we launched with was an investor CRM to really manage a pipeline of investors. When you're talking to 50, 100, 200 investors, you really got to you need need to have some way of staying on top of all the actions and tasks and activities that go on with that fundraise. Other thing, otherwise things slip through the cracks. The fundraising gets you know sloppy, messy, and you just don't ever have you know the momentum you really need. So that was our our first tool, and then we've been adding to that. We launched a, a database of investors a couple of years ago. We've been growing that out. And we're up to about 208,000 investors in our database. And that includes angels, VCs, private equity, family offices, fund of funds. Um, you know, so pretty much the whole kind of uh, uh, universe of investors. And then we launched a investor update tool for doing like your ongoing communications and updates. We launched a pitch deck hosting tool, which is kind of like a doc send light where you put up your deck, send it out track who's viewing it, launched an email tool for doing the follow-up emails that always happen. And then most recently we launched a data room just a, a couple of weeks ago, which is really where you're putting up your confidential documents, sending it out, tracking who's viewing it, who can download. So if you think about kind of the fundraising journey, we're building tools for each step of that journey, right? From prospecting all the way through due diligence. So... So a couple of things, and since we're doing a, a, a full on how to here that I, I think let's back up for just a second, because, you know, one of the things I mentioned, like trying to help people give folks advice, like I'm, I'm honestly shocked that I mean, probably four out of five really early stage people like you haven't done it before. I don't even know what a data room is. So like, what is a data room and why is it important? Yeah. So data room usually comes in a little bit in the later stage of a fundraise, like I mentioned due diligence, but it's pretty simple, basically. It's a place you can create like folders and file structures, like corporate documents, intellectual property, um, product demos and roadmap, um, team backgrounds and things like that. And then you're simply uploading documents to that that you will then share with investors doing during due diligence. And then you can, what's kind of unique about the data room versus using just like Dropbox or Box or something like that, or Google folder is you can then 
designate. All right, I'm going to give Matt viewing privileges for this particular document. I'm going to give Jennifer, another investor, viewing and downloading privileges, or I'm going to watermark these documents so I I know Matt's not going to share these or you know spread these around. I can track and view how many times did Matt come into this certain folder, um, how much time did he spend there, really. So the, the whole tracking and analytics um, is really what makes that all you know, kind of a unique product. I, I love that, by the way. So I, I compare fundraising to it's just a, it's a sales process. I mean, it really Absolutely. is. And, you know, for, I mean, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a self-admitted salesperson, Nathan. Yeah. A lot of people don't like to admit it. I admit it with pride. My name is Matt Takorsi and on many days I'm a salesperson. Um, but this is, you know, the, and sales has a process. I used to be a sales trainer as well, but you go through a whole, a whole process that involves an introduction, qualification, presentation, handling of objections, and hopefully closing or selling something. And I mean, getting funded is the exact same thing. Now, one of the things that comes with that is I find a lot of, a lot of tech founders, you know, they're so product obsessed. They don't like they I don't want to be a salesperson. Okay. Yep. Well, you, Tools like yours are going to help you even know that that needs to happen. But what I like about what you just mentioned is, all right, so if you throw, if you look at 500 sets of eyeballs that looked at anything you're trying to sell, knowing which ones are trained on your product, coming back and looking at it, uh, tells you who's interested in it. And when you look at a big sea of people and a lot of time, a lot of effort, this is a hectic process. It's, it can be confusing. It can be frustrating. It can feel demeaning on some days, just meaning yep. like it's like, you know, you sit down and people are very open about telling you what's wrong with what you're doing on many days. So being able to have the validation of seeing who's interested and chase that and have that follow up, I think is really valuable. And that's something you're not going to see with the kind of generic foldering tools that you mentioned, you know, like Google drive to the best of my knowledge, doesn't tell me that you looked at my pitch deck, you know, and, yep. and whatever. And I think that's pretty cool. So thank you for building that. And for those of you listening, I I'm not wrong about seeing who's actually paying attention. Cause one of the things with the process of getting funded is, and this is that I've had this experience or at least feeling and others have voiced it to me is, you know, it's oftentimes you think people or organizations or funds or whomever are interested in what you're doing. And really they're just being nice and not telling you they're not on yeah. some levels. <laughs> and, you know, really, and we've done so many episodes about this is, you know, first off, I'm going to just give you the guarantee that it's going to take you more pitches, more conversations and more calls than you think it is. Um, I've been, I've done a very unscientific survey for those that have gotten funded. And most people tell me it's, it's 70 to 125 is in that ballpark. You know, some people get it done sooner. I mean, like a real round, not like, yeah. not Aunt Mary's angel round that happened before you built anything, but keeping all this stuff together and having a logical process and really just a template. Cause this, I mean, Nathan, is it fair to say that, um, that 90% of this process is the same for most that get funded? Yeah. Yes. So everything you just said, there's so much insight and wisdom in everything you just said, hundred percent agree that it is a sales process. And this is something I pound the table constantly, like right after our, our talk today, I'm giving a talk at founder Institute, which is one of these accelerators. 
And my slides start off with exactly what you said. Fundraising is simply another sales process that can be broken down step by step and learned by anyone. And, you know, 99% of founders who go out to raise capital, it's their first time doing it. They haven't done it before. Like you mentioned, a lot of them are maybe engineers, product people. They're not natural salespeople or hustlers, but, but they don't have to be to raise capital. And there's, you know, there's some nuances to it. It's not rock and science. It can be learned pretty quickly, but it is just another sales process where you're building a list of leads, qualifying that list, engaging with them, overcoming objections and kind of moving them through the stages of a pipeline or funnel. And so, so, so much agree with that. The other thing that you mentioned, I want to kind of also corroborate is, you know, being able to track and see who's actually following along your journey. And that can be a couple different things. Like we, one of the things I, I like to talk about a lot is sending out an investor update or company update to investors, even, you know, months before raising capital. So you're kind of nurturing these investor relationships before asking them for money and tracking and seeing who's actually looking at your updates and who's, you know, maybe responding by email. Oh, thanks so much for this update. But who's actually reading your updates goes a long way to really know who's going to be writing you a check, right? And that same thing goes along with your pitch deck, who's looking at it, how much time are they spending on it, who's sharing it. And then of course, once you get into the data room, who's actually downloading your term sheet or whatever it is and and following along. So um, 100% agree with everything you just said, short version there. But, um, you know, I also think you're right in that 90% of fundraisings kind of follow the same pattern, but there are a lot of diff slightly different ways to do it. One of the surprising things, uh, we have our own podcast called How I Raised It. It's interviews with founders just about how they raise capital. And I actually thought I knew everything about raising capital. And then I started doing this podcast, interviewing people about <laughs> how they raise their money. And I'm like, blowing my mind just like how many different ways people there's like a common dna in all their successful fundraisings right but then there's also lots of other kind of variances of you know this guy is really working the angel group like circuit you know or or this person's really doing a lot of like um even cold cold emailing stuff i mean it's kind of interesting how different people have slightly different twists on it even though it all shares that common thread or dna of running a sales process, nurturing relationships. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what it comes down to really. By the way, I, uh, I tell people a lot that, uh, off air that the one thing start a puzzle repeatedly teaches me is how much I still have to learn. Uh, it just meaning <laughs> sure. like, you know, it's like <laughs> so many days, to, you know, I'm like, wow, I got a lot to figure out still. Um, you know, Embracing the fact that, okay, first off, if you're listening to this and you're one of those people that's like, I'm sales adverse, get over it. Yeah. Get over it if you want to get funded or you need to find a co-founder or someone else or really lean hard on these tools because there's no way around that. You are selling your opportunity. You are primarily selling yourself. In the history of this show, I have asked everybody well, Nathan, do you, let me continue this. So we'll do this in a live way. Do investors bet on the jockey or the horse? The horse, the, the horse meaning the company, the jockey being the founder? Yes. yes. Now I know inherently they bet on both, but if they only pick one, 
I almost, oh, that's, that's a good question. I almost want to say there's different answers depending on the stage of the deal. At the earliest stages. We'll say pre- early. We'll say earlier. Earlier yeah, so, and early. Super early where, where it's angel, pre-seed. I'm going to say the jockey, right? Because there usually isn't that much of an actual company. There might be a That's product. 100%, by the way. I thought you were going to be the maybe be the first for a second, but I'm literally at 100% on that one. And on the jockey. Yeah, you're right. There's different stages and whatever. But the, the thing is, is then the point that I'm going to make to the listeners is you're, if you're early stage, you're selling yourself mm-hmm. as much as you're selling your company. And part of that, is the way you present yourself, the way you go after it, that you got, Hey, look, you got to show, I love entrepreneurs with scars, right? Cause they got back up off the mat and got back into the fight. That's why they're scarred. They're hungry. Yeah. They're passionate about what they do. And this stuff really shines through. Now, part of, I, I literally just did a, a, a small little, uh, 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 social media week about the reasons that startups fail Number seven on the list was actually poor follow through, meaning like they don't mm. execute their own plan. And, and so many times it's, it's related to investment. So they reach out and they're like, hey, Nathan, uh, you know, I'd like you to consider investing in my company. And then you're, and Nathan says to me, he says, oh, this seems like a good opportunity. And then the person presenting it just sits back and waits for that other person to just show up and be like, I need you to cash my check, please. You know, and that's not the way it works. That's so the follow through part. And, you know, that's back to the tools. And I love this, how to, the the how to nature of this episode coupled with the tools. So, you know, and that's what I think is really cool about what you're offering. And and by the way, look, folks, Nathan's a guest. I I don't have any vested interest in you signing up for Founder Suite. I genuinely think this is cool stuff. So just, I just want to clarify that. So, um, you know, when it comes to like the follow-up, the custom emails, the presentation, and then the main thing here is, is during the sales type process, you need to make it easy for people to buy. Okay. Don't put obstacles between you and the cash register. That's rule one in selling, right? So, you know, with that also expect objections, uh, an investor or a quote buyer that doesn't have some objections or questions to your offer, quite honestly, probably isn't interested. So I think a lot of people make the mistake. They're like, God, they, he's, they're picking apart so many different things. They have so many questions. I don't know if they like what we do. No, if they didn't like what you did or doing or offering, they wouldn't even ask. They would move on. You know, I don't spend yep. time asking inquisitive and deep and, and introspective questions to people and organizations that I'm not interested in learning more about. Yep. Yeah, I think I think you're right again. Once again, you're just batting out of the park. No, that's there's a lot of good stuff nailing there. It. I think. By, by the way, <laughs> this is coming it. out on Thanksgiving. This is coming out on uh, that. I almost said Thanksgiving, Valentine's Day, and that's because we love raising capital. Uh huh. Yep. I think there's a great phrase I heard somewhere. I think it was from an investment banker client of ours one time, but it was like the money is in the follow up, and I actually love that phrase because. A lot of founders will will take a shot. They'll, you know, get an intro to an investor. They'll have a pitch meeting or whatever it may be. But you've got to kind of keep pushing and prodding all these investors through the stages of your funnel, right? Going back to the sales process, you know, it's your job. If you think about 
a sales funnel or an investor pipeline, which is really what we're talking about here, it's your job to move all of these, whether it's 50, 100, 200 uh, investor prospects from the research into the contact stage, into the pitch stage, into the diligence stage, and then into either the said yes, committed or said no, right? You're, that's kind of your job is to be moving everyone through the stages of the funnel. And the follow-up is how you do that. And of course, generating the excitement and momentum for your deal along the way will help you do that. Um, but I was having another conversation with an accelerator last night and we were talking about different follow-up email threads to do what's the, you know, what's the follow-up after you've, let me back up. One of the little tips we talk about is often a permission email, right? So even before fundraising, reaching out to investors and asking your permission, can I send you our company update, right? I'm not raising money right now. Can I send you our company update, Matt? You know, can I get your permission to add you to our monthly distribution list, right? Following up on that, if you haven't responded, segue that into, you know, sending you the pitch deck, following up on the pitch deck. If you haven't looked at it yet, um, nudging that along into setting up an actual live Zoom or face-to-face -face meeting. And of course, all the stuff that happens after the pitch meeting. You know, what did you ask for, right? What were the objections that you had about my business? You wanted to see more um, customer metrics or analytics, or you wanted to talk to, to, to customers. You wanted to get some references. Following up on all that really quick, There, another phrase I like to talk about with founders a lot is, there's a direct correlation between kind of the speed and tempo at which things are moving in your fundraise and the likelihood you are to actually get a check at the end of it. And so, you know, the follow-up, again, the money's in the follow-up, whether that's following up in the earlier stages or following up when you're in due diligence with 20 different investors trying to get, you know, seven term sheets so you have full negotiating leverage, um, never being the bottleneck where things are slowing down because you're you're not responding fast. So anyway, yeah, just do quite a lot honestly, of you just don't look like you want it or care about it that much if you aren't on, on it, you know? So uh, I'm looking forward to discussing this more, but before we move into the next part of our conversation, managing your team can be as easy as one, two, three with gusto. No more late nights for processing payroll or dealing with business tax filings. No more painful spreadsheets for attendance tracking. Say hello to your new smart HR platform. Check out gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. You get a three month free subscription. Once again, gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. You know, Gusto is a cool tool for, for you, you look at these things in life that, um, that if they weren't automated or didn't, we didn't have certain tools are things you hate and like payrolls doing one of them, man, it's like miserable. Like your own accountant doesn't even want to do your payroll because they would have to charge you too much. So check out a tool like Gusto. Uh, same thing with Founder Suite. Like I'm loving this, Nathan, because I think this is exactly what founders need. And, you know, and, and for some of that, like if you're not a quote sales person, then you better be a systems person. And this is a system. So like, this has been, you know, we talked about that, like is 90% of it the same. Well, first off, no path to revenue or funding or anything is going to be exactly identical, but these steps that you travel through are pretty predictable. And, you know, with that, I think a lot of folks make some mistakes 
especially in those early introduction and presentation phases where they just eliminate themselves from consideration by doing really dumb stuff. Like mainly it's about, okay, so first off, don't ever email me about your tech company from your Yahoo or Gmail address. Like I say that a bunch, don't do it. Just don't do it. Cause no, I don't take you seriously. Like if you don't even have a domain set up with your own email at it, like how are you a tech company? Like that screams, I don't know what I'm doing. So like literally, I see people do this. Like I get emails regularly like this. And there's other things that you need to look like you're in the business of doing whatever it is you say that you do. So Nathan, in your in your ex- deep experience with this, what are some of the real like dumb, dumb stuff that people do that just gets you crossed off of a list? Like keep in mind the people you're getting chasing money from, you're not the only one that's reaching out to them. So there's only so much time you have to look at one pagers, pitch decks, emails, all of that. So you throw a lot of them away if they immediately look, if they're immediately like, yeah, nope. Yeah. So um, how much time do we have? I mean, I could go on for hours about the, the mistake. Founders made. I get it. I get it. You know, I would Give say me but, a couple well, of the top. And yeah. By the way, yeah. That was a perfect reaction. Cause you're right. Like I could probably talk for like three hours about this. <laughs> I would say one of the things founders do, Oh gosh, where do I even start? One of the most common things I see is founders don't put in the time to really thoroughly research their target list. Again, you know, back to fundraising and sales process, step one is building a list of targets or, or prospects. And one of the things like I, I even see this with our own users on Founder Suite is they'll go into our database and they'll search on a category like SaaS or FinTech or something. And I get a, a customer support email, like, how do I, you know, there are 10,000 investors in SaaS. How do I download this entire list and blast them an email? I'm like, We will never let you do that because that's not how you fundraise. You've got to put in the time to kind of click through to their profiles, to look at what stage deals they're doing, to really make sure they're investing in early stage companies. Um, You know, are they geographically or regionally focused? I mean, things like that. And, and really qualifying your list, right? Back to sales, sales process, good salespeople qualify their leads, you know, thoroughly before kind of pursuing them. And so that's one thing. And investors on the other side can sense right away. I'm sure you get these all the time where founders clearly like spray and pray or did a mass blast to investors. They got a list from somewhere and they haven't done the research, right? So ideally you want to really spend the time qualifying investors, having a good, you know, investors want to hear from you if you are doing types of deals that they're looking for. They're looking for deals. But if you're fintech in fintech startup and you're reaching out to, you know, medical devices investors, you've just shot yourself in the foot. You might even get, you know, flagged as spam and then you're not going to be able to reach any investors. So that's one common one. I would say also trying to go around for better and for worse, invest raising capital still runs on the warm introduction. Founders hate this because it takes a little time and and hustle to get those intros, it's much easier to cold email investors. And there are some ways to effectively cold email investors, which happy to talk about, but there's still a warm intro path for most deals that happen. Now that can be leveraging the the network you've already built up 
to get those intros. It can be creating new intro paths by networking with other founders, which is a very effective way to do it. But trying to circumvent that, you know, puts you at a disadvantage. Investors, especially like popular investors, you know, whatever that means, are getting 50 warm intros a day from people they know and trust. So if you're trying to do the cold approach into them, you're probably already at a disadvantage. So that's another one. And I'd say just to, to round it out, maybe the top the number three on the list is just going out with bad pitch materials, <laughs> kind of not being polished, not having crisp, concise, clear slides in your deck, not having a really crisp like intro email. You know, maybe you're using connectors to connect you. Your your intro email should just be really crisp about what you're doing, what's sexy and exciting about it. Maybe it's a growth rate. Maybe it's a, a partnership deal you've got, whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, just having like kind of that clarity. I see a lot of founders with massive cluttered pitch decks attached to a intro email that's six paragraphs long that have the entire history of the company that's really boring and has no like momentum to it or excitement to it. So those are like probably the top three I see. And th those are strong. I got a few as well. So um, kind of in the vein of some of what you said. So first off, folks, no one wants your 60 page business plan attached to the introduction email. I don't think in the history of anything anyone's ever read that. Right. Because that's not the purpose of the intro. You know, this is why one pagers exist or other things. Other things I mentioned earlier, not creating obstacles between you and the quote cash register. Um, you know what? You don't need an NDA in place to do an introduction call with me. Right. Like I, yep. you know, like these are things, these are just like, why do I want to have to send something to my legal department? to hear about your opportunity from you that I don't know in which we don't have to necessarily talk about anything proprietary in that first call. So that's, that's, that's a, a sign that you don't know what you're doing, right? Asking for the, yeah, NDA oh, yeah. Even, oh yeah. 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 And, and by the way, so my, my business partner at full scale, uh, Matt Watson, all like he, his response to that is very vehement and he'll say, Hey, look, I'm not going to steal your idea because I'm not passionate about it. So even if I did, I wouldn't be a very strong competitor because I don't care about that solution. That's your thing, not mine. You know, so uh, that, that's going to block block you, and it's just going to make you look inflexible. Another thing is much like Nathan said with the poor materials within those materials, uh, I often see things that you you just look at them and you're like, so you're planning on taking thirty percent of market share in year two? That's a an aggressive approach, you know, and it's like, look, when I hear the, when I hear the term, the word projection, I immediately, I associate that with wrong because projections are always wrong. You know, you like, you don't have a crystal ball. Investors know that, but at the same time, if, <clears throat> if it just seems like a fantasy, you don't look like, you know what you're doing, or it's just like, you're like, come on. You know, like, and so, uh, and then the last thing is there's a variety of things that you can say that are uh, like an immediate no. Like if you do end up on that intro call, here's a good one. Well, I don't really need the money. That's not a good thing to say. It's not a good thing to say. And other things is like, if you're going to say something like, well, I don't have any competition. 
First off, you better sure. make sure you don't. And then also, if you say that, you need to understand that here in 2022, if there, it, I it could be sold on the belief that there are almost no unique ideas left. So if you don't have any competition out there, there's a pretty good chance there isn't much of a market for it, or you are in fact the world leader at something. Now those could be the same thing, but oh, dude, I get, I, I, I just, I'm rolling my eyes, folks. Like, and I don't do that a lot, but literally have had people. Hey, I don't have any competition, and in the context of that person saying it, I'm googling it. And within like 60 seconds, I'm like, not only do you have competition, you have a whole lot. Yeah. So that just tells me it's like, you haven't really looked into it. And then I think the last thing is, is you really need to show your passion about what it is. Cause like for me, if you're not passionate about your business, about all of it, it tells me you're going to quit. And that's it. Cause passion drives you through the shitty moments as an entrepreneur, it keeps you moving. In fact, in many cases, it just rolls off you. Now, if you're not passionate, then it really becomes a grind. It becomes a problem. And, you know, like overall, and then the last thing is really stupid valuations that can't even be supported. Like, you know, it's like I'm seeking an $8 million valuation for something I don't have a line of code on. I'm sending it to you from my Yahoo email, blah, blah, blah. Like there's got to be something that substantiates these things because the eye roll at your, now look, you might not even need to get into that. You don't need to get into it right away all all the time, but these are, so those are some of the things. And then everything Nathan mentioned, because here's the thing, folks, we want you to raise capital. We want you to have it be easy and get, get moving. And these are things that are just going to get you out of conversations, not in them. Yep. Yeah. There's on the value. The valuation is tricky because there's, I I just saw a great um, Bessemer venture partners releases their anti list and it's deals they (laughs) passed on. And one of them was, yeah, no, it's, it's great that they even do this. I, I think it's Bessemer. Yeah. They passed on Airbnb because they had like uh, when uh, Brian Chesky came to them, they had like a hundred K revenue M- MRR and they were seeking like, don't quote me on this, like a, a $50 million valuation or something like that. And they're like, their valuation is w- way out of line. Right. And so they passed on it. And then that hundred K quickly moved to 200 K the next month, 300 K and kind of exponentially scaled and, you know, ended up being a, $10 billion company. So they, they have some of the reasons they passed and sometimes it is valuation, which seemed absurd at the time. And then later on proved to be, you know, great. So valuation can be, by the way, I just Googled that. I Googled Bessemer anti-list and you can go to bvp.com forward slash anti hyphen portfolio. Um, and, and, uh, this is an impressive list of passes, Airbnb, Apple, Atlassian, Coinbase, eBay. Anybody heard of these companies? Facebook, when they were still called Facebook, FedEx, Google, Intel. But, you know, there's reasons for this, but this really supports the fact that, like, hey, look, like, investors are people too. And what you're offering needs to, needs to have value and, and find and have logic to it. Now, um, with that, I want to remind people that if you make this all one sided, like, okay, so like a $50 million valuation or whatever with a, with a really tiny MRR, that feels pretty one-sided. And 
you know, one thing that I, I, I mentioned a lot, the world's most popular radio station is actually WIIFM, Call Signals, What's In It For Me. That's actually the, the, that's the station that everyone's tuned into. And you need to dial into that a little bit. You need to make it about us, me, not I, and me. You know, so you're teaming, you're partner, you're working together. These are things, these are, these are value phrases where I, me, you know, like these, th those are greedy. Those sound like those sound self-centered. And, you know, these are just like little turnoffs. And, you know, keep in mind, like investors are people too. They're talking to a lot of people. They're seeing a lot of pitches. And by the way, I always go with the rule that um, assume that you have about 10% of their attention. So sure. work with that That's as true. a baseline. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah, I love the anti-list, man. Yeah, it's it's a good one. I've I wish more VCs would do that. You know what? I've got a little anti list myself. I had a you know just one yesterday. I had a chance to do something in company really early stage. Would have been really good. Company just got seventy eight million in funding. Wow. Yeah, I've had a couple of those. It's hard to it happens. It hard happens. to see them. We move I mean, on. We move on. We move on. Um, I is, is this where you use that phrase? I digress. Is that how that works? And then. I, I don't understand what that really means because I'm I'm not that smart. But okay, so a couple things here, um, and you know I'm gonna like so first off, um, while you spoke for 30 seconds earlier in the episode, that's how long it took me to sign up for Founder Suite. Mm, Thank yeah. you for making that Thanks. easy. So I have an account. Use my Gmail. Boom, I'm in. I love the fact that there were already some things pulsing and showing me where to start and get through that. So one of the things I'm going to do this on your behalf because I think this is great. Founder Suite has an investor CRM, uh, an investor database, because that's one thing that. And by the way, I'm not. I don't want to downsell what you've got, but so many people are like, where do I find investors? Like, go to, start with Google. Google it. Google it, people. Google it. Google knows a couple things. Um, and like I said, now yours is more sophisticated, updated and reliable. I like that. Um, investor updates. So look, uh, keep people informed, keep it warm, you know, keep the deal hot, uh, pitch deck hosting, which is important just for the tracking. I love that. Uh, some customized emails. Uh, hey, look, if you don't know what to say, I'm assuming that helps you with it. And you also have some startup documents in there. Um, I think that that is important because, Look, folks, um, if you haven't done this before, this, this gets confusing. It feels overwhelming. You start to ask yourself, like, am I getting a good deal? Where do I do the, you know, like really in the end, you need a good, you need a good attorney, get someone to give you some advice. Now this will, you know, it says here on your site, save thousands in attorney fees. Cause a lot of the stuff you can kind of learn by reading, reviewing, understanding, you don't necessarily need an attorney for all of it, but overall, like, love it. Love it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. And uh, so I'm actually going to use this because a company cool. that I own 25% in that is about to go out in funding um, really needs this. And I've just spent a bunch of time building one pagers and, and pitch decks, which by the way, and I don't have any vested interest. I I've used live plan um, in the past with that. Uh, not because I like the front half of what it builds. I love the projections and the financials that it spits out. Um, the honestly live plan do a little better with the, the actual one pager creation and the other stuff. And you get my full endorsement, but creating accurate and readable and understandable. Uh, so, so projections and financials are hard because keep in mind, if you add an extra zero, to a hundred thousand, you're now off by 900 grand. 
And, you know, that's one of the things that later down the road, can you're like, Hey, look how profitable you get. And like, I've, dude, I've done this a lot. I'm like, yeah, but you know, there's an extra zero here. You remove that and you're like, Oh, wow. So we're actually going to run out of money in half of the time we thought three months. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or something, by the way, that's another no, no ask for way more money than you need people. Cause if you think if you're if your pitch is that you're selling this like perfect game that you're going to pitch on the way to like not running out of money, anyone that's smart knows that you want, cause it's just like, that just rarely if ever happens. Now, uh, you know, speaking of things that aren't rare, uh, today's episode, you know, we've had about 800 of these and today's episode is brought to you by Gusto. And, you know, if you're looking for that all-in-one HR platform, by the way, I hate HR. So anything that helps me do it, I'm almost like Michael Scott from the office with HR. Like the HR person comes around and I'm like, hey, look, I, I this stuff drives me nuts. But Gusto will help you with that. And it's time to check it out. You have everything you need. It's just a few clicks away. You can get three months free. Use the link in the show notes. It's gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. I also want you to click it so they know you're paying attention because I like it when they pay us to do the episode. Helps us, helps us promote it. We're getting funded in that regard. Once again, gusto.com forward slash startup hustle. With me today, as a reminder, Nathan Beckert. And Nathan's the CEO and founder of Founder Suite. Foundersuite.com. I'm really digging this tool, folks. I signed up for it. I'm going to use it to try to help. Like I said, you get more details on our funding efforts, and we're we're keeping track of that. But you know, we want we'll to be a little more our, refined. And use the tool, pardon? and then we'll get you on our podcast. How I raised it. To That's talk where about we're going. Yes. Capital. See? Yes. You see how that worked, people. Then, and guess what? I'll follow up on that to make sure it actually happens. Ding, ding, ding. All right. So Nathan, you know, time flies by here on the show and this is awesome. I love the tools. I love just giving some of the basic how-to advice because um, this doesn't have to be crazy, crazy uh, difficult. Now we're at the end of our time and I like to end my shows with what I call the founders freestyle. I say my shows. I'm not the only host. If you haven't figured that out yet, tune into the weekly show with Andrew Morgans. He talks all about Amazon and e-commerce. Also, Matt Watson has a weekly show coming out in March. So you're probably used to hearing me and Matt together. We decided to put him out and make him do some other work too. So listen to Matt's upcoming weekly shows and don't miss the weekly show with Innovator founder Lauren Conaway. Great stuff, great content. If that isn't enough, find us on Facebook, join Startup Hustle Chat, YouTube, all of it. But it's time for, more importantly, it's time for the founders freestyle. So Nathan, like, what do you, what do we leave out? What is a good highlight or anything else you want to say? By the way, I've had people rap, do poetry, do a whole lot of stuff because it is a freestyle. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not limiting you. I'm just trying to, you know, yeah. Anyway, I wish ahead. I could Here, rap. Here's that's, the mic, dude. Here's happen. the mic. No, I I think I'll just leave kind of a little summary of a few tips for fundraising. I I wish I could wrap it. I'll come back on your show and maybe come up with a wrap for this. But listen, if you're going to be fundraising, you know, you you can do this. Like I, I say, it's a skill that's learnable by anyone, right? No matter your your background, whether you come from engineering, whether you come from product, no matter your age, sex, race. You can learn how to raise capital. It's not it's not rocket science, but you know, keep a few core principles in mind. One is do the research, put in the time, and this could be fifty hours of research to build a really good target list of investors. The more time you spend doing the research, the better. 
kind of step two, you know, ideally build intro paths to each investor. And that could be any network you already have, but it could also be reaching out to founders that those investors have invested in, hopping on a quick Zoom with them, chatting with them. We have some templates for this, like these email outreach, but, you know, engage with them and then asking them for the intro. Those intros lead to your pitch meetings, like we talked about, make sure your pitch and financials and everything else are buttoned up and killing it, that they're awesome. And then once you're in pitch meetings with a bunch of investors, get that momentum going. Make sure you're never the bottleneck. Make things move fast. Generate momentum. I, I guess my single biggest tip is your job as a CEO when raising capital is to get momentum going for your deal, following up fast after meetings, and then just keep those relationships alive, nurture them, and you're going to get a term sheet at the end if you if you follow those basic principles. Hey, Nathan, what's the name of your podcast again? How I Raised It. I'm assuming that's all in all the same places where podcasts are found. Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Um, so folks, go check that out because listening to people, you know, we've had, uh, you know, we are, we had a little ebb and flow with the format in which we do this show. And at one point, you know, it was a little more uh, story related based on like the startup's actual experience. Now that said, um, I've learned so much from listening to other people talk. So here we're kind of into my freestyle here. Uh, first off, I did just make a note that I, I kind of want to make a music video about getting funded. Because I actually think that would be pretty popular and funny. I think a lot of people, so I, I may do that. I worked in the music industry for almost 10 years. So I got some interesting tools and resources there. But, um, you know, that said, um, you know, the, you know, learn from other people. Like um, you mentioned the warm intro. Well, first off, reach out to your network and ask people to introduce you. Uh, most sites that, that are from funds or specific investors show the other companies that, They've invested in their portfolio companies as they refer to it. And, you know, see if you know anyone there, see if anyone want to give you an intro. Uh, in my experience, those result in a very accelerated process compared to the cold outreach, but don't give up on that. Another thing too is remember on many levels, this is a numbers game, but Nathan's, yep. uh, Nathan's uh, uh, you know, right about the fact that um, you can't just spam it, you know, so Get, get down to like 100, 200 ideal targets and be personal Perfect with it. Targets. Don't, yep. don't, don't just do junk. And, you know, like, and overall, like, here's the thing. You just got to keep going. You keep going and going and going. Um, the one thing I hear from people that didn't get funded is like, yeah, I reached out to like five different people. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. like 70 short of the minimum for most of the people that I know that are really good at this. So that's just the way it goes. Don't get frustrated. Be humble. Be receptive to the input you get. Because by the way, that is a valuable part of the continued transformation of your pitch along the way. So I like you rage, rest and repeat. You know, like it's kind of how it goes. And, and you know, you got to make adjustments along the way. I'm not a Patriots fan, but I love Bill Belichick saying you don't wait until halftime to start making adjustments. So listen to what they say. Don't just be like, oh, they're wrong. They're telling me. Because if everyone's telling you the same thing, that's the echo you need to be listening to. That said, I'm going to go finish setting up my founder suite, Nathan. So I got to get out of here, man. I'll see you down the road. Right on. Carry on. Plow through. And uh, yeah, we'll get you on our, our podcast after you guys raise some money. It was really a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. See ya.
Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.